Hey Alexa, what's the definition of hustle? To be aggressive, especially in business or other financial dealings. You're listening to the H for Hustle podcast, designed to inspire future entrepreneurs to take the leap from working for someone else to pursue their passions and side hustles and turning them into full-fledged businesses. My name is Jerome Fenton. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Every week, I'll be speaking with an entrepreneur that has taken that leap. We'll be talking about the lessons they've learned and how they've turned their passions and side hustles into full-fledged businesses. H for Hustle Podcast, welcome back. Another illustrious episode up ahead. And on today's episode, we have Jillian Jonrood. And guys, this conversation with Jillian was really, really, really interesting. Because um, there's a movement going on in the internet right now called FIRE, which means Financial Independence Retire Early. Or you might have known it as FI, which is just financial independence and uh, there's been a big movement of people doing this on the internet and they, they document their journey and most of these people aren't doing this through having the largest business on the planet they usually are working nine to five jobs they found a way to save their money and live a little bit leaner of a life so that they can retire early and Jillian and her husband and her five kids they were able to retire she was her and her husband were able to retire early and live the life that they wanted and I had her talk about this on the podcast how she was able to do that and then also we had a very interesting subject about how to um, get people who are in your life that won't support you and how to get around that I know as entrepreneurs we deal with a lack of support sometimes from family friends spouses and you know Jillian and her journey of financial independence there was a lot of people who didn't support it or didn't understand it and you know she had to come up with a framework to kind of help herself through that so I really really wanted to have this conversation and it was a really great conversation so let's lock in the Jillian John Rules conversation with me on the H for Hustle podcast let's go boom H for Hustle podcast welcome back we have another great guest today we have Jillian John Drood um Jillian welcome to the show thank you so much for having me Jillian, if I was to meet you at a dinner or uh, a pub or something, what would you say you do for a living? That is always such an uncomfortable question for me. <laughs> um, probably because I live in Montana and I don't think people around here have quite caught on to the fact that we have the internet. So <laughs> the fact that I, I do things online always freaks people out a little bit. Um, but I am a podcaster. I'm an author. I'm a coach. I basically run an online education company. Got it. And the purpose is to help people get some financial freedom so that they can build meaningful and enjoyable lives. So that's kind of my, my purview. Got it. So in Montana, what people just don't use the internet very much? I don't know. We're we're always like 20 years behind. Um, behind in everything, hairstyles, clothes, music. So what is your simple answer? Like I teach people, like that's probably what it is. Uh, yeah. It depends who I'm talking to. <laughs> got it. I got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> All right. So um, you help people with like getting that, that, I guess, that financial education. When did that all start for you? Like, what was the reason where you wanted to start that? You know, I decided to pursue a creative life actually after I became financially independent. Okay. Um, I became financially independent at 32 
And we decided to take a year off. We decided to take a mini retirement. We had done four or five um, in our 20s up until this point. And each of them had, had been really impactful and significant in some way in our lives. So when I hit 32, we had gone from one kiddo at home. Uh, we'd adopted three and I found out I was pregnant. So we wow. were going one to five in a two year span Wow! and we hit five and I was like, I, we need a break. We need a break. And I had written before I had done some creative work before. Um, but I decided during this year off, I wanted to pursue writing again. I wanted to kind of get back into the online space and I wanted to do it around personal finance. Got it. Because I feel like money can be one of our strongest lovers. Like if, if we're strong there, it gives us so much more options and freedom yeah. in other areas of our life. And if you're not strong there, it could be the worst <laughs> situation so of your life. So stressful. Yeah. <laughs> so stressful. So yeah. you, you went over, you know, you said financially independent. I know the word mm -hmm. is like FIRE or FI. Mm -hmm. um, my audience, we really don't talk about that much. So let's go back a little bit. How, does, how did your FI journey start or your financial independence journey start? You know, for me, it started, um, it actually started when I was a kid. Um, okay. My mom's second marriage uh, was unhealthy. And okay. when I was about 12, I went to her and I said, listen, we can't do this. Like, this isn't healthy. It doesn't feel safe. Like, we just, we need to leave. I don't care where we go. I don't care where we move. But like, this isn't working anymore. And my mom was very pragmatic, very hardworking person. And she said, Jillian, I can't raise three kids on my own. We don't have that option. Mm. And I just went upstairs and I laid in my bed and I just cried. I just cried hot tears. And I realized, oh, money gives you options. options. Got it. Because I never, yeah, I never wow. want to not have that option. I never want to be stuck in this spot again. Yeah. And then because of, because your mom didn't have options. Now you didn't have options. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. So what did you start doing to, to help you move along that, like getting uh, your knowledge of money and actually getting money? Because at 12 years yeah. old, like, <laughs> what can I you actually working. do? Yeah, really? I started working when I was really young, um, worked after school jobs. I did construction one summer. I worked at a gas station. I worked at a pizza place. I waited tables. Uh, I helped. I did house cleaning for like my friend's parents, just whatever, whatever work I could kind of hustle up. Um, and by the time I graduated, I had $8,000. Wow. So um, you were like a phonetic saver at a young age. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Most kids don't know how to save <laughs> at that young of an age. Yeah. I think it's, it's a matter of motivation. Okay. Like I was yeah. incredibly motivated because I didn't want to feel stuck. I yeah. wanted to feel like I had some options and some choices. Um, I actually moved out for my senior year of high school wow. and, and lived on my own and finished up my degree or my high school diploma oh, yeah. and um, yeah, kind of made it happen. So that was kind of my initial inspiration. But then I got married to my husband and he had $35,000 student loan debt, he oh had $10,000 of credit card debt. Um, <laughs> I, like, how I did can... I attract this? <laughs> I know, I know. And so we decided right off the bat, um, we were just going to try to save half and we were going to pay down this debt as aggressively as we could. He joined the military to help you know, pay off his student loan debt. And within, it took us about two, three years, Got it. but we got all of that debt paid off. And then we just kept saving half. Were you guys, so did saved, you guys have like, 
you know, because a lot of times people think you got to have like mm-hmm. a, a high powered job or making a, a lot of money no. where you guys like make had good career paths at least or not? No, we didn't. We, you know, in, in college when other people were picking like very smart, savvy degrees to, to be high earners, we had this desire to help people. And I was kind of under the mindset really until about 30 that if you want to help people, you will always be broke. Like yeah. you will never make any money. Yeah. And it's actually <laughs> like being it, a helper <laughs> in, in the nonprofit world. It's almost like preached like that too. It's like, yeah. yeah if you want to help people like prepare to have a tough life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your compensation is the good you're putting out into the world. <laughs> That's like half of your compensation package um, is feeling good about yourself. So we, we didn't pick high earning degrees. You know, he went in enlisted in the military um, like so, reserves? No, full-time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Full-time army. Um, so we lived in DC, which was kind of a high cost of living area, which just meant we had to do some trade-offs like, okay. you know, in our twenties when we were married and had kids, like we had a housemate. Um, but looking back that one choice helped us save about $25,000. Wow. And that $25,000, we invested it and it became $50,000. Wow. Um, and that's the money we used to buy our first rental property. Got it. And it was our first rental property that helped us buy our second rental property. It. So it's kind of like those good financial choices, even though they were hard at the time, really compounded. Got it. It sounds like the saying, like you suffer in the beginning to live well in the, the end, mm-hmm. right? So you kind of like you guys made that s- sacrifice up front. Yeah. And, so was it like a, was it hard to get both of like you, you or your husband on board? Cause we're all humans. We like the yeah. things that we like, right? Like cutting corners on, like we could get a, a housemate, but then there's probably something that you really like. Did you like sacrifice everything or were there certain things that you, you, you guys like splurged on? Um, we, there were a couple things. I think for us in that season of life, you know, I kind of came to the conclusion that like, I could become rich or I could look rich. Mm, I got it. But I didn't make enough money to do both. both <laughs> I kind of got to pick, pick and choose your, your wins here. And so we decided like, okay, well, we're going to becoming rich, partly because we had always wanted to adopt. We wanted to be able to have more time and financial freedom because that was something we were really passionate about. Uh, but there were a couple things that we still cared about. We still really loved traveling. So we prioritized that. We just did everything we loved, but like the super budget version. Got it, got it, got so it. So traveling was like in our Honda Civic <laughs> with our tent, you know, yeah. kind of that, that If you vibe. flew, you were flying on the budget airline, staying at the yes. OK Hotel. Yes. <laughs> got it. Staying on friends' couches, got you know, it. like it, that was our 20s for sure, which, yeah. you know, looking back, we had a lot of amazing trips and um, we eventually actually ended up moving to Europe for four years. We lived in Germany. Um, and we traveled every month. We traveled to 27 countries. Wow. Uh, with just the tent in the back of our car. And we, we yeah, we traveled for probably altogether about 50 weeks. Wow. We it's like there. almost a whole year. Yeah. Um, so why did you guys choose real estate as the avenue to build your wealth? And was there a, a concerted effort with there? Because you said you had 25000 You invested <laughs> at. What did you invest in to then get the, to fifty? And then why real estate? We, we try to split it about 50, 50, 
Um, so half of our net worth are in investments like okay. index funds. Mm-hmm. And then the other half is in real estate. Got um, it. And I, I liked real estate in that it cash flowed and it felt more like a paycheck. Yeah. Got so it. So sometimes when you just have a lot of investments, it's hard to, to transition from putting money in to pulling money out. Oh, yeah. Um, but with rent checks, they just show up every month and you cash them in it. Got it. So did you buy property where in you were in DC at the time? Because DC is a pretty pricey market. It's not, it's not, it's, you know, it's like a number five market in the United States. It's like a very high market to live in. Yeah. Anywhere in the city is expensive. And then there's Virginia and Maryland yeah. if you want to live a little cheaper, but it's still pricey. Still um, expensive. So yeah. where did you guys buy your first, I guess, rental property? We, we've rented for 10 years. We rented all the time that we lived in DC. We rented while we lived in Germany. And then when we came back to the U S um, we settled in Montana okay. and, and we bought our first house, but it was, it was 10 years of saving and investing okay. Got it. to kind of get to that first purchase. Got it. And did you buy that outright or just. Yeah. The first one we purchased our house with, with cash. Okay. Um, cause it was, it was rough. Like, I don't know if a bank would have, would have given anybody a loan on this house. <laughs> Got it. Um, so we kind of, um, yeah, we could have bought, like we had enough money. We could have bought a very reasonable, very nice house, but we ended up buying like the ugliest house that we saw. Got it. Um, and, and just fixed it up. Yeah, we didn't have any tools. We didn't have any experience. We didn't have any knowledge. Uh, we had YouTube videos. <laughs> Got it. YouTube there were University. No, no, no Chip and Joanna Gaines there <laughs> saying like, just trust us. We'll make this awesome. Um, Got just it. Just us, just so on our long, own. How long do you live in that before you get the second? Because it's second property was investment or you lived in the second <laughs> property and rented out the old one? No, it was an investment property probably about four or five months later. Okay. Um, we we had had enough cash to finish half of our house. Okay. So we lived in just half of our house uh, for about two years. Got it. Um, but that gave us enough cash to be able to buy this this first rental and do like half down okay, on it. Okay, got it. And then, is, so is it one rental? Did you go into three, four, or five, or just kind of capped it at a certain point? Uh, we bought one more rental. Um, so, so we have two rentals now and we own um, uh, like a piece of vacation property too. Got it. Okay. That's awesome. Um, so you had said earlier, mini retirements, right? Like, so you said, um, so I could see where you guys would be financially free and set up and now you have, um, but what is a mini retirement? That's not something I've heard in, <laughs> said a lot. I define a mini retirement is anytime you step away from the nine to five for a month or longer to pursue something that's meaningful to you. Mm. Um, and so people can, you know, we oftentimes we have these opportunities to be away from the nine to five for a period of time, whether you got laid off or you're between jobs or after college. And a mini retirement is just being very intentional with mm-hmm. this time, having a plan, having the money saved up, knowing what you're going to do. And once you get this opportunity, kind of taking it and going to do something that's really meaningful for you. Um, and then other times you plan them out. You know, there's some that we kind of planned for. We took two mini retirements with, that helped us buy and renovate those properties. Got it. Um you know, the first one, my husband was off for about six months, which is how we were able to buy two houses. So where he could have gotten a job for like 12 bucks an hour, yeah. um, 
our net worth, our passive income is so much more massive than that six months of 12 bucks an hour I ever could have ever could have gotten us. Got it. So I could just hear my audience right now just saying like, okay, that sounds great. But like a lot of people got forced into a mini retirement in 2020, right? Like that kind of happened, but most people weren't financially set up for that to Mm -hmm. happen. How would you say someone want, they, they like the concept of a mini retirement. How would you say they should set themselves up to actually get, make that happen? the first step is figuring out what in this season of life, like what's the thing you really want to do? What's the thing that maybe feels like it has an expiration date. And that might be because your kids are young or your parents are old, or you feel like now's the time to start a business. Now's the time. Like if I don't do it in the next 10 years, this season might pass me by. Yeah. 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 Um, And figuring out what that is, how much time you need, how much runway do you need for this? Do you need a month off? Do you need six months off? Do you need a year off? And then calculating like, what is your base expense cost? Like how much do you need to pay the bills every month Mm -hmm. times by the number of months you need off? And then what's the additional cost? You know, if you want to travel around the world or if you want to go overseas, how much does that cost? Or if you want to start a business, like what is your startup cost there? And then you kind of get that, okay, this is the, the nut that we need to come up with. You know, it might be $10,000, it might be $50,000, um, but you just start saving and investing towards that goal. Got it. Um, so let's say someone's like, they, they like the concept of doing that. Yeah. Do you suggest them to like cut their lifestyle that they have now to, let's say their lifestyle is their $4,000 a month is like their all in cost, base mm-hmm. cost, right? Would you suggest them to say, if you can save and bring that down to 3000 or 2500 mm-hmm. would you recommend that to cut your lifestyle a little bit to then eventually have the three to six to five, you know, the, how many mm-hmm. amount of time do you need to have your early retirement or mini retirement? Yeah. You know, I encourage each person to look at like, what is their area of opportunity? Um, you know, where can they, I I call it grow the gap, that gap between your expenses and your income. You want to focus on growing that gap and what kind of opportunity do you have? So some people, if you have a lot of extra expenses in your budget, you know, you're not tracking, you're not budgeting and just money is like flowing out. um, Yeah. Trimming those expenses can be really powerful, uh, partly because that also reduces your monthly expenses during your mini retirement. Got it. Um, But for other people, you know, if you're making $30,000 a year, um, the most high leverage thing you might do is get a raise or switch companies and get a raise or, you know, start a side project and, and increase your income. Yeah. So some combination of increasing income, reducing expenses, got it. Um, that can involve paying off debt too. That can be really powerful. Yeah. So some side hustles that you can do, like within a company, some I've, I've also advised people like, Hey, you know, maybe you say, Hey, I want to work in the sales department three days a week and, you know, be on a commission structure for those three days while you still have, you know, your regular, because there's sometimes you can actually work within the same company and get, you know, a different a pay structure um, mm-hmm. based on what you're doing for that company. And sales is one of those things that allows you to get the bump, and, yeah. you know, you can still do the same, work in the same company. Um, so 
these mini retirements, I know my audience, they want to become entrepreneurs so they can do these little mini retirements. So I'm kind of hitting on this a little bit harder. Um, now, somebody's set up to try to do this. Their lifestyle is trying to grow and then also trying to grow what your income is and also reduce your income costs. Now, once they get there, they, they've done that. Should they put a time window, like a goal set on that? Like, all right, in the next five years, I'm going to do this. The next six months, should they put like a time window? And if they don't hit that or they do hit that, should they continue with their process? Well, it's the math gets kind of easy to figure out. So okay. if you, if you, between increasing income, reducing expenses, let's say you have a $3,000 a month gap, mm-hmm. uh, like you can save 3000 a month and you've figured out okay, I I need $30,000 will give me the runway I need for whatever this kind of mini retirement goal is. Well, it's going to take you 10 months then to get there. So you can, based on how much gap you have, you can kind of forecast out how long this will take. Um, And usually if people are kind of focused and and dedicated, you can usually pull it off in a couple of years, kind of, you know, on the outset. Um, the nice thing is when you have a really tangible goal, um, you can, it, it provides that extra like motivation yeah. and gumption and like focus. Yeah. Uh, I encourage people to do kind of a, a dream priceless, like here's exactly line by line, how much all these elements of my mini retirement are going to cost. So then that way, when someone's like, Hey, do you want to pick up an extra shift? And you know, that'll be like a hundred bucks. You go, Ooh, yeah. hundred bucks would pay for this. Yeah. Check that off the list. It. So um, it's why that's why it's really important to figure out what you want out of this menu time yes. and, and make it crystallize in your head because yeah. all the sacrifices or decisions you're going to be make is going to be yeah. more geared towards that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Exactly. That's awesome advice. All right. So now you and your husband, you, you, you get the third property and then at 30, you said you took a, like a, you, you were financially independent or what age? Yep, 32. 32. Got it. And yeah. was that just based on like, all right, this covers the cost of my life or. Yeah. So my husband, after 10 years in the military was medically retired. So he had a small pension, okay. uh, which was about 1500 a month and we get healthcare, which is awesome yeah. uh, through the military. And then our investments were about 1500 a month. We could okay. pull 4% from, um, and our rental income at the time it was a thousand. Now it's about 1500. Okay. Um, but between that income it covered all of our bills, all of our expenses, and then a little bit. Um, So we knew going into this, that mini retirement, like I felt pretty good that the numbers worked, Yeah. but you never feel a hundred percent. You're never like, this is foolproof. Like you're always like, oh, Uh, this is slightly uncomfortable. Um, So we just kind of ran it as an experiment. We said, we'll try it for a year. We'll see how it goes. We'll see what comes of it. If nothing else, like we need a break, we need a rest. Like we need to get caught up on life. Yeah. Need to (laughs) Um, sleep a little bit, (laughs) sleep a little bit, declutter the basement, finish our master bath, you know, just stuff like that. Got it. So you said you have children. I know my audience yeah. is like, this lady has children and she's able to retire. How, yep. how is the cost of kids not uh, um, added into this? Cause I have three kids and daycare is killing us. <laughs> like, so how do you, how do you yeah. get around that? So kids are a funny thing in that um, daycare is super expensive. Childcare super expensive. Yeah. Um, 
But if you don't need childcare, like if you have two parents who can be home all day um, and you're not crunched for time. So like we, we do, we travel about 10 weeks a year and we go to theme parks and we go to national parks and we do all the things, but because we're not trying to fit like all of our vacation into one or two weeks, it's actually pretty affordable for us to travel. Got it. So um, then you could travel on off peaks and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And we rent out our house while we're gone and it basically pays for all of our travel expenses. Oh, wow. Um, so we could travel indefinitely if we wanted to. I don't want to because I got five kids. So the, at, at the end of 10 weeks, we're done with camper like, life. We're like, no, we want our house back. <laughs> we it. need a backyard, send these kids outside. Um <laughs> So without the childcare expenses, you know, we still have some activities, but we try to, especially with a big family, we try to do activities that we can all do together. Got it. So we do go camping together. We go hiking together. Like they might do swim lessons together, but we don't like send each kid to two separate activities every week because yeah. we would just live life as chauffeurs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I get that life so much. <laughs> That's where I'm at right now in this season. Um, so I definitely understand that. All right. So, you know, thanks so much for sharing that um, and how you made that process happen. I think that's going to be valuable for the audience. One of the bigger things I want to talk to you about is, you know, a, a lot of its audience is listening is early stage entrepreneurs or they want to be an yeah. entrepreneur. And, um, they, they don't always find the support from people who are around them. I know you and your husband had each other, but I know to other people, what you guys must have done must have looked crazy, right? Like, yeah. he's like, you guys have five kids. You guys are, why do you have a housemate? You know, like there's certain things that people are going to just judge. And granted, yeah. you guys have each other. So you can be like, ah, we don't need to listen to them. We got each other. But how do you deal with not getting the support from the outside uh, with within like focus on building a business or reducing your debt or whatever the, the goal may be for somebody? Yeah, it's, you know, it is tough. I, even with our rental, I remember walking through the house we because it was a foreclosure and like a deal had fallen through and so they were going to accept offers for like this four-hour window and then they Mm -hmm. were done and so we walked through in like 20 minutes and said yes we'll give you all this cash (laughs) like no home inspection no nothing nothing, we were just like just take our money and give us a deed and we'll we'll call it even (laughs) we'll figure Um, it out (laughs) so when we finally got the keys to the house we you know invited our family over and we were walking through and this place was just a mess like it was, it was in bad shape. And my, my, my grandma was walking through and she goes, Oh, sweetie, you're, you're not going to make my grandson live here. Are you? (laughs) Kind of. Yes. His stuff is outside. (laughs) And so it's hard, but I encourage people. The reason you got into this whether it's a side hustle or a business or a creative endeavor or real estate, the reason you got into it was because you had a great vision Mm. and you had the imagination and you could see the things that weren't yet there. Like it was crystal clear in your mind and we can't expect other people to be given the same vision that we have. To be given that same insight and that same creativity, like that was, that's our gift. And not everyone else has the exact same vision that we have. And we can't, 
So I think it part of it's like reducing that expectation that everyone else is going to have the same vision for this that you have. Because yeah. that's a unique gift that you have. Had to jump into episode real quick, guys, to let you know this episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. Now, being your own boss is amazing, right? But figuring out your financials by yourself is definitely not one of those amazing things. Tell you the truth, guys, a few months ago, I was stressed out about my business finances. I literally was like pulling the hair that I didn't have on my head out. Um, And I looked on the internet for all-in-one solution and I was able to find FreshBooks. And one thing that FreshBooks helped me with was invoicing, online bill pay, expense reporting. And you know, a few months back, it actually helped me out even more when I turned the keys over to my accountant and she was able to go in there and look up all the reports and made my life a little bit easier and made tax time a little bit cheaper for me. Um, so I don't want you guys just to take my word for it. I want you guys to try it for yourself. So there's a 30 day free trial, no credit card required. All you have to do is go to hforhustle.co slash freshbooks that's hforhustle.co slash freshbooks now let's get back to the episode to the episode to the episode You know, one of the the things I'm going to harp on, you and your husband had each other. What if your husband was the person who wasn't supporting? He, (laughs) him and I do not have identical visions. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, I'm I'm definitely more of the visionary in our family. So when it it. came to like um, home renovations, he had never grown up, um, you know, his parents were not handy. They had never done a renovation. He had never done a renovation. Like, and I had grown up at least with my dad was in construction. So like I'd been on construction sites and it, well, I didn't know how to do anything. It was, it at least felt kind of familiar. And it didn't seem far-fetched. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had, I had known the guys who were putting up houses and I was like, yeah, this, they didn't need like a nine-year college degree to like hang sheet rock. Like it's not easy, but it's not super complicated yeah, yeah. either. It's like uh, um, one of my mentors used to say, it's, it's simple, not easy. Right? Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. And so in our marriage, it's a lot of trusting each other's vision. You know, when he can't see what I'm able to see, mm-hmm. trusting that, that my vision is good. Got and it. that it is going to work out. And in, in big things like the rentals, like he never, like this is something he never, ever would have done. And even investing, he never would have done that. But, but I had like, I had the compound interest charts and I said, Hey, if we save this much money for this many years, like we're going to have this much money. And he was always like, I, uh, I guess, I don't know. Got it. We joked for a long time that if he hadn't married me, um, he would have a much larger television and be flat broke. Um, that would just would have been his life trajectory. <laughs> um, so what advice would you give to that person who does have that spouse or that, you know, that person that's like their person that isn't right there on board with them? Like, what are certain steps that you took that, you know, that you could help that person with? I think for a lot of people, it you need risk mitigation. You know, when like, someone can you explain does, that a bit? Yeah, when someone doesn't have that vision that you have, the biggest concern they have is like, what if this doesn't work? What if we lose a lot of money? Like, you know, 
it's not just that it won't be super successful, um, but what if it goes badly? Yeah. And I think coming up with a here's plan A and plan B and plan C and plan D and here's the numbers and here's how we're going to make it work instead of a, just trust me, it'll yeah. be great. <laughs> <laughs> like having at least a, it won't ruin our family uh, kind of mapped out very clearly is a good first step. Got it. Um, and then, you know, showing, showing kind of realistically, here's how the upside could work. Um, and knowing that they'll never see it the way you see it. Sometimes even now, um, We've been six years into kind of this creative entrepreneurial journey. Uh, sometimes I'll I'll be so excited and I'll say something, and my husband's like, "Oh my gosh, really? Like you think, like you think that might happen? Like, oh, okay." And I'm like, "You are the wet towel in this relationship. <laughs> like, that like just puts a damper on everything." Yeah. And so, not expecting him to to be like the hype man. Mm-hmm. He's not the hype man. Got um, it. And I have other people in my business and in my life to serve that role. Got it. Got it. So what you, when you present stuff to him, it's more, it's not about like how big the vision is. It's like, here, here's how little risk it is. You know, yes. I got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's actually smarter going into like that because then you cut out the, what if the, you almost are hedging all the questions right up in the beginning, because you're like, yeah. here's all the, what's the worst that can happen. And they're like, yeah. oh, well, that's not that bad. And you're like, okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got you right where I wanted you. <laughs> got it. Okay. So that's really awesome. So how would someone like, again, your grandma wasn't really happy about your, your initial investment. How do you deal with the parents, the, the yeah. outside influences, the people who aren't directly next to you, you know? A lot of people who listen to this are early, they're very early and some of them are young entrepreneurs and their parents are going to be like, why don't you just go get a safe nine to five? Why would you want to go do this? So what, you know, what advice would you give that person? You know, for the outside family, there's kind of two groups. There's, there's the people that just really care about you and they're concerned. So kind of like the spouse who's not on board, they just don't want you to tank your life. Yeah. Um, And so as, as it's appropriate, I think you can share a little bit, like I've thought this through, like I've looked at the numbers, I've done my research. This isn't going to ruin me. Like, I'm not going to be homeless. I'm not going to be sleep on your, sleeping on your couch. Like mm-hmm. that is not my backup plan. Um, but then there's another group of a family that doesn't, not only do they not have the vision, they don't really know you. Yeah. And maybe it's because you've grown and maybe it's because you've changed and maybe it's because you're learning new things and you're gathering new ideas and you're talking to new people and, and change is a funny thing in the context of relationship because while we're changing and growing, our family and our friends didn't actually opt into that change. Yeah. That's they, true. they didn't get a vote yeah. <laughs> that, that, that you were going to make all these changes. And this is true, whether you're becoming an entrepreneur or you're losing a hundred pounds, your friends and family didn't vote for that and opt into that. And so you have to have a little bit um, of empathy in the fact that you're growing and you're changing. And in some ways you're putting more space between, between you and them. 
you and your family, and and they can have a lot of insecurity and sadness and fear that what if we don't have anything in common? What if I don't understand them? What if they start to judge me? What if they start to think that my life isn't good enough because they're doing something different? And instead of being able to with vulnerability and honesty, like articulate all of those things to you. Like, Hey, listen, I'm really scared and I'm nervous because you're changing. And I'm, I'm worried we're not going to have anything in common. I'm worried. We're not going to see to eye to eye. I'm worried that these changes mean you don't respect me and our family and where we came from and how we did things. And you're judging us. Um, instead, they just are critical. Instead, they're just unsupportive. Yeah. Um, to try to keep things the same. And so having kind of that empathy and knowing that like, this is going to be hard for them. I try to build bridges back to my family with whatever commonality we have in in whatever way I can make those connections um, and show them, you know what? We still have things to talk about. We still have, we can still have fun enjoying each other's company. Like I still love and appreciate and respect you, even if I'm picking a different path in life. Got it. And it's just about more about building the the connection back than it is about mm-hmm. explaining to them what you're trying to do and your vision and everything yeah. else in life. Yeah, That makes a lot yeah. more sense because most of the time it's just that you lost connection with them. They don't know who you yeah. are as a person. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and not expecting another a great tip is not expecting other people to understand something that they don't want to understand. I think sometimes we're so desperate for people's approval or them to be proud of us or them yeah. to be supportive of us that we keep trying to explain something yeah. that they're not asking the question. Yeah. Because they don't really want to know. Yeah. And they don't really want to understand. And it creates this very painful dynamic where we're constantly seeking approval and trying to explain it and trying to like sell them on it for something they don't want to buy. Yeah. I I know that one personally, because when I was 18, I started my my cleaning company and my mom was like, go to college, you know, do the right thing, go get a job. And she just couldn't understand what I was doing. And, you know, after years and years and we've talked, um, you know, she was just like, she was just afraid that, that, you know, I was just going to ruin my life and put my life in a bad path. And, you know, obviously she didn't see anyone do entrepreneurship well. So it was just like, it always ends up bad. Like your dad tried it. It didn't work out so well. I'm like, well, you know, we have two different circumstances. Um, And a lot of times, most of the time, like you said, they're just scared for you and they just don't understand you. And I wish I had known like building the bridge would have been like, Hey, let's not talk about what I'm doing over here. Let's just hang out as you know, son and yeah. son and 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 daughter. I mean, son and, and mother, and let's just have conversations about that. And if I'm at the worst place ever, I'll let you know. <laughs> and if yeah. not, you know, if not, let's just let it be what it is. And a, a lot of times, just most people are just afraid for you because they haven't seen the example in their own life. You know, yeah. so they just are projecting their fears on you. Um, yeah. I was luckily I was strong enough to keep on pushing, even though I was hearing every day, like, no, 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 no. Um, and obviously also I never had, I never proved anything to her, right. She's never seen me do something like that. So obviously there's no frame of context for like, 
oh, he's done something like that. Right, let him do what he's doing. He can do it again. Um, so that's, you know, it was very interesting. And, I, and it was very like back and forth, like butting yeah. heads like all the time. And, you know, I wish I had someone like you to tell me that advice. <laughs> like, just talk to your mom. Don't worry about business. Just talk yeah. to her about, you know, son and mother stuff. <laughs> well, and not every person has to fulfill every need in your life. Yeah. That was also the other thing I was going to say you know, then how do you build the support system, right? Because sometimes, you know, your husband or wife isn't the support and then your your mother and grandmother doesn't like what you're doing either. And so then there's three people. How do you build the people who are supporting you? Yeah, you absolutely have to find your tribe. You know, I talk about it in the book that people who are successful know other people who do the same thing and who are successful in the same way. Like musicians know other musicians. Since, yeah. Runners know other runners, runners writers yeah. know other writers. Like you'll never meet a painter who goes, yeah, I'm a super successful painter, but like, I've never met another painter. I just, <laughs> I don't know any of them. Like, so like people who are successful, no other people who are successful like them. So you have to start getting out and building those relationships that could be like local meetups. That could be online communities, masterminds, coaches, events, conferences, like there is some place where these people gather yeah. and you need to go and just become part of that tribe and try to learn as much and build those relationships. Got it. Yeah. And it's a little bit easier now with like Facebook yeah. groups and yeah. um, Reddit groups and, you know, uh, discord groups. There's a lot of ways you can connect, maybe not in person, but you can get that you know, system around you. Um, how did you go about finding, so, you know, the, the financial independence community is pretty big. Did mm -hmm. you dive into that and meet people and then started, um, your journey like that? Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't say I started my journey. I started my journey on my own, yeah. uh, which is part of the reason I'm so passionate about community is yeah. because I feel like that was the missing ingredient. Got I it. was just the lone weirdo who was reading <laughs> books. Um, I decided maybe 15 years ago that I would read a book a week Got and it. I've done that for 15 years. And so I was reading all these personal finance books, but this was, this was before blogs and it was before podcasts and it was before like five was a thing. Thing. And so it was just me reading like David Bach books yeah. and get rich looking slow. At, yeah, <laughs> like looking at like compound interest charts and like thinking this is possible. But I didn't have people around me that had not not even that they didn't have my vision. They didn't have a similar vision. Yeah. Um, so once I kind of tapped into like, oh, people are writing about this online. It was it was amazing, and I started. Um, going to events and conferences and emailing people and texting people and Got hosting it. like, you know, Zoom chat meetups with people and just um, building this fantastic community. Got it. Did you see an incredible difference from you being an independent just in your own books to when you jumped into the community? Did you see a jump in finances or even in your knowledge? Absolutely. And, and a jump in the vision of what's possible. Got it. You know, we're limited by what we can see. Mm -hmm. And if you've never seen it done, if you've, if you've never witnessed it, it's really hard to come up with that picture in your head before you see someone else do it. Got and it. being in a creative community, being in an entrepreneur community, you go, 
oh, wow, there's people doing some stuff. Oh, wow, like they did that. Got it. Could I do that? I mean, I'm kind of like them, so maybe. <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah. You're like, we have the similar thing. She eats the same yeah. granola bars as me. I can definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so true. That's 100% true. Um, so is this what a lot of stuff that you touch on in your new book, The Fire of the Haters? So The Fire of the Haters, I broke it into three sections. The first one is how, how we live life online and deal with the criticism mm-hmm. and just kind of those emotional boundaries uh, with the internet yeah. uh, because it's not something that we grew up learning how to navigate. It's not something yeah. our parents could teach us. Like still new. here's how you set boundaries online. Um, and especially as a creative, as an entrepreneur, you know, one of the chapters is you make the thing, you make the rules Yeah, because you'll figure out real quick when you're online, not everyone has the exact same sensibilities you have. Not everyone is following the same rule book. There is no universal rule book. Um, so whether it's a social media account, if that's yours, you got to make the rules. Yeah. How are people allowed to talk? What are people allowed to ask you for? How are they allowed to speak to each other? Yeah. Um, you know, what's what's acceptable and what's not uh, to like a Facebook group. Oh my gosh, you have to have so many rules for a Facebook group. Yeah, because people can get crazy in there. <laughs> yes. So you make the thing, you make the rules. Um, you know, clear as kind. We have to be really honest. We have to we have to be very clear about our expectations, about what we can do, what we can't do, uh, where our boundaries are, because nobody else can know this for us. Yeah, like you just you have to know it for yourself, and you have to clearly communicate that with everyone constantly. Um, and then the middle section of the book is about the inner critic. You know, it's about imposter syndrome and. What if I'm not good enough? Like, what if mm-hmm. other people don't think I'm good enough? No. You know, kind of friends and family, like we talked about, like, what if they're not supportive? Because that external criticism presses on our inner critic and yeah. it amplifies that voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. That's a really good point. That's a whole nother podcast because that's this intra- imposter syndrome is one yeah. thing we could talk about for a long time. And a lot of people deal with that, even they're inside of like a corporate environment. They might be doing oh, yeah. good and they still feel like they're, you know, an imposter. Um, yeah. So I'm going to ask you some questions that I always ask every guest yeah. that's on the show. Um, you know, you, again, you're a creative entrepreneur, but you don't work completely solely by yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like no one really can grow by themselves. What was the key hire or someone that you hired or someone that you bought into your business that actually helped turn the corner for you? Um. Man, I've worked with a lot of people. Um, I would say recently, um, I brought in a content person mm-hmm. um, that takes all of my ideas and my videos and my audio and um, and retools that for other things. So it turns it into, you know, for a podcast, makes show notes, makes uh, social media graphics, uh, and most importantly, makes workbooks. Yeah. So I do lots of videos because I have online courses and she makes these amazing workbooks that are just a huge value add to, to anyone who's, you know, using my, 
my content, trying yeah. to learn, trying to figure it out, but it is not my skill set. Like gotcha. I have no patience for it. <laughs> I have no desire for it. Like I'll like sketch some things on a piece of paper and I'll say like, make this into a beautiful workbook and she, she magically it does it. Yeah. Got it. yeah. And that has made the transition into your business tremendously. Yeah, it's been super helpful time-wise, bandwidth-wise, but just amplifying the amount of content I can create. Got it. Got it. That's huge. Um, So what advice would you give to a person right now? They're probably driving to work or they're sitting in a cubicle. They're dying a slow death sitting um, in that cubicle. They want to go do something that they really want to do, but they're kind of afraid and stuck. What advice would you give that person? You know, I would ask, why are they afraid and stuck? Mm. What is it that's holding them back? Because Albert Einstein has this, this great quote that if he was given an hour to solve a problem, he would spend the first 55 minutes trying to understand the problem and five minutes solving it. Got it. Oftentimes we are so quick to rush to advice, but we're solving the wrong problem. And until someone actually knows really what it is that's holding them back, we're never going to find a solution that resolves that properly. It It becomes kind of like a -a whack-a-mole. We think that we hit it here and then it just pops up somewhere else. Uh, And you're constantly just whacking, whacking moles all across the yard but never, never getting to the root cause. Got it. So figure out where the the feeling that thing is coming yeah. from and then plot out your answer to for where the feeling or that thing is coming yeah. from. Yeah. Got it. And once people dig through and find that root cause, I kind of compare it to um, a spider or spider webs. You can spend your whole life cleaning up spider webs, but until you figure out where that spider is, you kill the spider. It's just going to make more webs. It's going to manifest itself in all these different fears and all these different excuses and concerns. Um, So getting really clear and, and in my coaching, you know, one of the tools we use is a self-correct. And that is if you can, Say that if you can dig all the way down through all the layers and figure out exactly what it is, and if you can say that out loud, half the time you'll self correct. Yeah. Once you hear the lie out loud, your brain goes, Well, shoot, that's not true. Yeah. I've been saying a bunch of nonsense. So yeah. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually went through something called a landmark form, and it was very much similar to that where you start realizing, you're like, I've been making that up. That's a story yeah. I told myself. That's not actually what's happening right now. Exactly. Um, it's a, and then it was funny how soon as that thing, like I, the realizations happened, it was like, and it's just literally like next day, like habit changed. Like it was just yeah. like quickly. It was like so fast how that happened. So I, I definitely do understand that. And getting to the root cause, it's just, it's one of those things that you can't do by yourself. You need someone to like dig with you a little bit yeah. to kind of pull those things out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the name of the podcast, last question, the name of the podcast is the H for Hustle podcast. Yeah. Jillian, what does hustle mean to you? So hustle for me, it's not being busy and it's not even doing more at like this frantic burned out kind of state. Hustle for me is a deep focused caring. Got it. 
if I can settle in and focus and put my energy and my creativity and my care into something, um, that's when like the diamonds happen. And that's when my productivity is just 10 X. And if I look at any weeks when I'm like, I just don't have the energy to care because I'm tired or I'm burned out or there's stuff going on or I feel worked thin and nothing good comes out of that week. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just busy work or paperwork. I don't know, some kind of nonsense. But if I look at the weeks where I've leaned in and I've cared a tremendous amount and I've really focused on my work, then it's gold. Yeah. Like so much more productive, yeah. so much more meaningful. So yeah. for me, hustle is like that intense focus and care yeah. um, put into a project. Got it. It sounds like um, Cal Newport's book, uh, Deep Work. It's yeah. Like, it's like you, there's busy work and then there's the stuff that you really yeah. lean into. That's awesome. Yeah. I've never heard that, 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 and every time I've asked that question, I've heard something completely different. So yeah. um, I kind of love it because everyone's definition of hustle kind of gets a little, it, what we, the world thinks of hustle is and what people's definitions are always so kind yeah. of interesting. Um, if somebody wants your book, they want your coaching, they really loved your story. They want to go get financially independent and they want to reach out yeah. to you. Where can they reach out to you? I am everywhere at Jillian Johnsrud, J-O-H-N-S-R-U-D.com. Um, I have a mini retirement guide, uh, JillianJohnsrud.com slash mini, M-I-N-I. That's free. You can download if you're like, ooh, that sounds like a fantastic idea. Um, or my new book, Fire the Haters, Finding the Courage to Create Online in a Critical World, uh, is available for presale. Pretty Got much it. every place books are sold. sold. So that'll that'll be launching middle of October. Got it. Most people are just going to go to Amazon. If anything, go to your website yeah. and go from there first. Yep. All right. Awesome. So thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. And just like that, guys, another illustrious episode is in the can. Man, one of my big takeaways from this episode is when Jillian said, you know, you can't put the vision that's given to you for you for your ideas and your dreams. You can't put that on somebody else because that's not their vision. That's not their dream. Obviously, they can't understand your vision or your dream because it wasn't given to them. And that was a big takeaway for me uh, from this episode. I would love to know what you guys learned from this episode, what you took away from this episode. Um, go to h for hustle Click on the episode link and go to Jillian's episode and tell me what you guys think in the comments. I would love to know what your takeaway was from this week's episode. Go to h4hustle.com, um, go to the episode link, and then click on Jillian's episode and tell me what you guys think down in the comments down below. I hope you guys walked away from this episode with a ton of value because I know I did. Make sure you guys go buy Jillian's book, Fire the Haters. Um, there's a ton of knowledge. If you think this podcast is great, her book is actually really great as well. So go check that out. Um, and I'm going to leave you guys with the quote that I always leave you with, man, from the late great Nipsey Hussle. The quote goes, this game will test you. Never fold. Stay 10 toes down because it's not on you. It's in you. And what's in you, they can't take away, guys. That's it. Peace. Boom.